Justin. Hello, Nav. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How are you? I'm doing just fine. So, we're back for the second episode of Rainbow Six Siege Operation Help Part 2. And today, I just wanted to talk about operators, but specifically attackers. Okay. So... We both know, as competitive players, how some attackers can fit into a team composition better than others. Of course. And even in casual play, although it's seen a lot less. Yeah. So, what are these attackers, and how are they different from defenders? So, basically, these attackers are like any other FPS game, are attacking the site and using all utility they can in order to either eliminate the entire enemy team or the defenders, or successfully get the plant down and protect it for 45 seconds, which I'm pretty sure is the competitive time for defusal. Mm, yeah, 45, 40-ish, yeah. Yeah, it should be something around that. But... We know from competitive play that each of these attackers have different roles. Like there's entries, of course, which you are more inclined to play. <laughs> and there's Indeed. Supports, there's flank watchers, there's soft supports, there's all different kinds of yeah. roles that we find in competitive play that aren't really prevalent in casual or even ranked play. Yeah, a lot, a lot of what we explained in the last episode about the unique abilities and them going hand-in-hand hand with each other is basically more prevalent on attack, but not really seen as much in gameplay as Nav stated. Yeah, so we have these, these different roles on attacking, and each of them, most team compositions, I feel, have just the basic... One entry, one hard support, one soft support, and then the rest are flex or flank watch. Yeah. But I feel like Siege competitively needs a new kind of baseline. Yeah, I agree. Having, yeah, having these set team compositions or the perfect team composition, I feel like it just doesn't work with Siege anymore because there's so much, so many variables with Siege now. Yeah, especially, like, if if you were looking at the Pathfinder operators before, like, the release of DLC, things were pretty standard, things were pretty basic. You knew how to counter them, you knew how to play rounds. But with the DLC operators being released, there's new pathways and different ways to counter these ops that makes it actually that makes new openings for defenders and attackers yeah. it basically just forces people to like i keep saying this very often but it forces people to think essentially personally i just look at siege as a game of chess and the attackers are just another side on the board, and they're just trying to win. But more on these unique abilities. 
There's, I'm pretty sure, 29 attacking operators in Siege. Yes, sir. To the moment. And each of these 29 attacking operators share... They share similar secondary gadgets, but they also have their unique gadgets. So, like, each of these roles that we're talking about, like entries, soft supports, hard supports, they all have different operators that fit those niches better than others. Yeah. And there's some that just are so awful that you just don't see at all in play. Ops like Fuse, Blitz even. And uh, Glass. Nook especially as well. Yeah. Nook is very, very underbalanced. But Ops like Zofia Ash... Those two and three speed operators with amazing guns and great utility, those are more prevalent to be fraggers. But you see operators like Ash being changed and balanced, in a sense, by Ubisoft. And they're being transformed into different roles, roles that you normally would not see them. Yeah. It's, it's almost like Ubisoft added useless operators purposely to make the game seem a little more laid back. It makes makes no sense on the competitive level, but there's... Yeah, it's you know, like you think about it, some of these operators like Fuse, Glass, I, I personally, I see them used quite a bit in Quick Match or even Unranked, but when you get to competitive play, you don't really see them at all with the, the, of course, rare exceptions that they're being brought. I can see glass being brought for smokes mm-hmm. or post plant, like when attacking console garage, when you're trying to get that plant down on white or black car. Yeah, it's a very I can powerful. see glass being, yeah, I can see glass being a very prevalent pick, but if, some of these operators are just bad. Like something like Nook. I use Nook in an example a lot because she only really brings frag grenades. Which you can just bring on a sledge with extra vertical play. Mm -hmm. The FMG is a very solid submachine gun, but it's just not up to par to the assault rifles that we see on attack. Exactly. Do more damage. Even with their slower rate of fire, it's still... Easier to land these kills with these assault rifles than SMGs. Exactly. Of course, with a game like Siege, having a one-shot headshot mechanic that completely changes everything, you don't really even need to hit the body. You could have five bullets, walk in, click heads, and the round's over. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's highly far-fetched. Yeah, but very. It's... Not impossible. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened sometime before. Oh, yeah, no doubt. There's some pro player somewhere. Yeah, but I do have a question for you. How do you... There's operators like Amaru, where you see being used in quick match and ranked to mess around, I suppose, but you don't see them at all used in competitive play. So what do you think makes these operators... So much more different between quick match, unranked, ranked, and competitive play. Well, you take an Amaru, for example. Her unique ability is a 
basically a grappling hook where you can go through windows where it makes a sound and you can just go through windows instead of having to repel up. She brings, what, flashbangs and a heart breach for her secondary gadgets mm -hmm. with two extremely powerful guns. That's not exactly that viable. Versus an uh, Ash as an entry frag instead. Now that she has breaching charges instead of stuns and three shootable breaching rounds, that brings a lot of vertical play, soft destruction, shield destruction, anything along those lines. Versus the Amaru that brings either stuns or hard breach device to good guns. So would you say that Amaru's speed and armor rating also plays a part in whether or not she's an entry? Because I see operators like Sophia being one of the most prevalent entries in Rainbow Six Siege today with the same armor and speed rating as Amaru and arguably equal powerful guns and an equally powerful kit. So what makes these operators so different? It honestly, it, it could be the way they're played because of their unique gadgets. Amaru is known more as a rush everything, destroy everything in your path type of operator. And when it comes to Zofia, she has an entry frag, but she's more, in my eyes at least, she's more of the methodical entry frag. She takes the initial picks, but she does it in a way that's smart, that's not destroy and run everything down in my path like amaru yeah i mean i'm looking at the ubisoft website right now for amaru and the role that they actually put for Amaru, the first role they put was flank which you think is kind of what's the word for it? like counterintuitive because you have an, a such a unique and strong ability like a grappling hook which can literally send you into the building within 10 seconds of a round. You'd think she'd be more of a prevalent entry fragger, but Ubisoft themselves have put her at flank. So what really defines these roles between these operators? Because you have Amori with a kit like the G8, the SMG-11, two of the most powerful guns in the game and stuns as well and yet she's being classified as a flank watch so I'm assuming it's really just the way her ability is played yeah but... I, how, <laughs> I have a question for you now do you see her as a flank watch at all like, mm -mm. like I, I'm just like a flank watch like a gridlock and a nomad that makes sense because their unique gadgets are for flanks yeah where Amaru doesn't bring a claymore. Amaru has a grappling hook. Not anymore, at least. Guns. What? Like. Yeah. Oh, like, I. I honestly, any operator could be a flank watch. Essentially, as, uh, as long as there's a drone watching that, or even a person watching that, any operator can be a flank watch. But there's ops like Nomad and Gridlock, as you stated, which are really specific within that niche. Hmm. Wow, that's but, that's actually yeah, quite it's, surprising. Yeah, it's honestly surprising. Yeah. yeah, I did not think Amaru, of all operators, would be a flank watch. 
And it even puts Yana as a intel denier. Which is very weird to me. I can I can kind of see that because the drone can give false I suppose so, but she's more of a gatherer than a denier. Yeah. Like you'll find because Yana is basically an un- unlimited drone. Yeah. The way I look at it, like a denier would be like a mozzie or a mute because they stop drones from yeah. hitting sight. But on the attack side, intel denial, like that'd be like. Isn't really a Nook. thing, honestly, except for smokes. Yeah, Nook is really the only one operator that fits intel denial on attack. Because you can go invisible to cameras. For... Maybe even Jackal as well. Yeah. Jackal, Dokabi, maybe as well. Just not very many, in other words. Yeah. It's not as... Like, there's, there's the specific specificity of intel denial on defense, but it's more of a broad term on attack, I think. Yeah. But... Well. The gadgets for attackers. So we know these attackers have all their unique primary gadgets, like Sophia's grenade launcher, Donna's X, Kairos pellets, Nomad's air jabs, etc. But there's also these secondary gadgets that each operator gets two choices between, and they share within a pool of seven, I'm pretty sure, maybe eight now. Mm, yeah, I think eight. Mm-hmm. Seven or eight. Yeah. But there's, yeah, it's one of those. But each of these gadgets have, like, as we said in the last episode, they each have their own usefulness on, depending on if you're running solo, if you're running a strat, what the strat demands, or personal preference, or even map for that matter. Sure, because I find myself bringing, like, if you take example, if you take Ash for example, or even Sophia, I find myself bringing breach charges over claymores a lot more on vertical heavy maps like Villa, Consulate. I find myself bringing breach charges more. Yeah, I bring breach because it's just a lot easier to play that vertical, especially on Consulate. Consulate's a huge map for vertical play. Which is a really hard thing to counter as a defender. Unless you rush someone, yeah. so. Unless you have a roamer up there, or you have a pulse, or you play off sound cues with C4s, it's very difficult to deal with vertical play, which is why we find it so prevalent within even quick match. Just the entire game in yeah, general. Yeah, the entire game is really vertical. Honest, like you can see from the year, the first year of Siege to the fifth year, you can see the major difference in the play. The play was more horizontal. It was more getting frags on a comp. This is on a comp level. Now it's more methodical. It's more vertical play than horizontal play and it's not yeah. near as aggressive as it used to be 
I mean, I suppose the introduction of new and different ops also plays a role in more or less methodical gameplay because you have more operators to think about, more counters to think about, more strategies, etc. So I can see the influx in operators providing that more methodical gameplay kind of sense that we've been seeing more in common. There's no doubt about that. So ops like Gridlock and Nomad, those flank watch ops, they, they're good at what they do. Nomad's air jabs and Gridlock's track stingers, along with their kits, their kits are very, very good. Yeah, that's for sure. But we see Nomad being more of a pick than Gridlock. Why do you think that would be? I I think that Nomad's more of a pick because she has more speed. Her guns are faster firing because Gridlock has an LMG and an AR. And Nomad has two ARs. Those The LMG's a heavy hitter at a slow fire rate versus, like the AR that has a little bit of a higher fire rate. I also take into factor the speed because there's speeds of operators and their armor rating. So a three speed will be a one armor, two speed will be a two armor and a one speed will be a three armor. Nomad is a two, two being technically the quote unquote most balanced of armor and speed. And then Gridlock's a one-speed, three-armor. The difference with them is people like the faster operators because, one, they're quieter, and they're just faster. It's, yeah. And with the louder operators, you're... I'm actually losing my train of thought. Well, I'm pretty sure you're just trying to say that they're more. It's more easier to find and locate and get the kill on a three armor than a one yeah, armor. Essentially, the sound cues you'll realize their presence basically if they're sprinting, especially in a game like Sage, yeah. when sound is so heavily based. Being that three armor or one armor is a big deal. And the also the other thing I forgot to talk about is their secondary gadgets. Nomad brings flashbangs and breaching charges. Gridlock brings smoke grenades, and I want to say I'm pretty sure it smokes and breaches as well. Okay, I'm pretty the, sure. There's the difference with those two is Nomad. I mean, she sets up a more she. She can bring the stuns to burn ADSs. Gridlock can bring the smokes to get the smoke plants if a strat is intended for that. Yeah, but wouldn't you say that smokes or getting down the diffuser in the first place is more useful than just going for the frags? Yes, at the same time. And no at the same time. Smoke smoke plants take a huge amount of coordination. If you're if we're looking at this on a comp level, gridlock is the better pick one hundred percent. 
if we're looking at this at a more like ranked level, maybe casual level, Nomad is the better pick them pick in my eyes because coordination versus cord no coordination. Comp a gridlock be a great choice. Smokes, coordination, good plan. And then if we bring the nomad, we can get the ADS burn. We can bring anybody else with smokes if absolutely needed. And a couple solid weapons. And we have to, you know, I guess you also have to take into fact their primary gadgets for the flank watch. Nomad lets off a huge sound cue when her air jab is triggered, but does no damage to the operator. Gridlock, you can True. hit Gridlock's tracks. They do 10 damage and slow you down. That can be the matter between life and death, because if you are trying to go for that diffuse, it's like a 1v1 scenario. There's two tracks on the only doorways to enter the room. You have to break those tracks, give your position away, and pray to God that you can get that kill in diffuse without dying to the tracks before. Exactly. But Nomad just basically mobilizes you for three seconds. You're As much as you like or hate it, you will get stuck in that Nomad charge for three seconds, and you... Again, have to pray to God that no one, no attacker finds you and gets the pick. So, would you say that these operators are more situational, or are they more preference? They're definitely more situational. Like, I don't know if if it was like bank and we were attacking second floor, for instance, <laughs> I'd take a gridlock for like stairs. Mm-hmm. Because over a nomad, over an air jab, because if you can put them on the bottom of stairs, right? At the bottom, like let's take square stairs for instance. If you can put tracks bottom square, they either have to walk through them or hit them all. You'll eventually realize someone's there because you should also have a drone with it. And versus the air jab, you can either put it at the top or just put it at the bottom where they can shoot it, and they can still walk halfway up the stairs and get a pick through all the bars. Yeah. I feel like tracks are more of an aerial area denial than a flank yeah, that is watch. Fun. And it's also with Capitao as well. Do you count him as a flank watch, or do you count him would, as an aerial? I would area say he's denial. an area denial. Because, well, fire, you can use it for flank, but generally you don't put yourself watching the flank. You put the um, abilities on the flanks. Yeah. Or the gadgets, that's what I was looking for. What? (laughs) But also like Capito with the fire bolts and the smoke bolts. I've seen many people only use those firebolts for post-plant scenarios. So, what really constitutes the difference between area denial and flank watch in that sense? You're really stumping me here. Uh, <laughs> anything, honestly, can be used. It, it's, it's such a... 
is such a fine line between the operators. Like Nomad, she can be used for flank. She can be used for post plant. Same with Gridlock. Same with Capitao. Same with Fuse. Fuse can't be used for flank though. All all sorts of things mm. can be, but can't at the same time. It's yeah. it's a lot harder to get a flank with a fuse like a cluster charge. It's it's such a thin line that all the operators are walking on for their divine their defined things, I guess you could say. It's almost like the whole Twitch situation. You can either be a fragger with Twitch now because she has flashbangs, or you can just be the more laid back support and bring like a claymore or something. It's all. It's all very situational. Yeah. It's all very depending on strats, depending on the way the other people are playing, and depending on if you even get the diffuser down for that matter. True. Getting the diffuser down is, even in comp, one of the most difficult things to do. Yeah, actually. it's definitely not easy. Yeah, and that's why you see most of these comp maps or comp games being just getting the kills and not going for plant well there's always the there's always the thought to go for plant but in the end getting that kill will probably do you more good than getting going the for opening plant. frag and the initial pick anything like that is essentially what gets the plants down yeah, because that momentum you get from your fragger or whoever is getting the kill, getting that kill, the momentum you get from that propels the entire round. Exactly. So if you get that opening pick, but then you lose three, two people trying to get into sight, it, the game is really just all about momentum, I'd yeah. say. Can you keep your momentum going throughout every round, every match, every season? I feel like that's really all it is. Yeah, to which see. brings the consistency issue in. Yep. Consistency is a huge problem for I, everyone. You know, I don't think there's a single player that's really consistent i'd say for me my most consistent pro player would probably have to be chala yeah. from tsm chala's quite consistent compared to and it's usually yeah it's usually those support players that are really yeah, consistent because they're, they're not they're not the top of the leaderboard trying to get all the kills they're the ones bringing the gadgets to get the round where it needs to be yeah but it's it's very interesting that you bring up scoreboard. So you see people in most FPS games caring a lot about KD or rank. But I feel like in a game like Siege, scoreboard is a lot less indicative of a person's yeah. skill. Yeah. It, this game is starting to turn like all FPS games. Everyone just cares about their KD. Everybody cares about getting the kills, not getting the deaths. There's the support. It's still a huge thing. People still play it, but 
the support players still go, oh, I need a kill. I need a kill. I need to get a kill. Because they feel like kills are the only things that can get rounds wins. Which is not true. Yeah, and it's honestly kind yeah, of sad. It's not true at all. The fact that people who are better mechanically are just seen to be better players. Sure, if you're a cracked mechanical player, you can probably just get to plat off of just your mechanical skill. But not having that game sense, not able, not being able to play that support or flex role will definitely hassle you or your progression, exactly. at least. It, it, a team can't, you can't have five fraggers on a comp team and expect to win. True. G2 really they made did. that mistake. Uh, they did, didn't they? Their super squad really it's it quite interesting. They had a good they had a really good team on Penta, I believe. It was Yeah. Their Penta hmm. team was amazing. It was but G two bought the roster and I don't I don't really believe I believe they changed for the worst. Yeah. it's it's quite sad, honestly. I I used to love G two. But they've been overtaken. I feel like yeah. their time has come. TSM's rising, honestly. I think TSM will rise. TSM, every team is rising, honestly. TSM, BDS. Uh, BDS yes. There's so many teams. There's so and many teams. They all, they all appreciate every role the same way because they need to. Because if they didn't have... I'm going to use Chala again, for example. They didn't have Chala on that smoke roll or on that Thatcher roll, whatever roll he's on. If they didn't have Chala, things would go a lot different. Or if they didn't have Pojo Man when Chala wasn't playing, things would have been different. Oh, Pojo Man. I love that I man. Love that man. is amazing. But considered to be one of the best smoke mains ever to step foot in competitive play. Com- I hope to aspire to be that was, amazing. Yeah, he smoke. was an absolute idol. <laughs> but when it comes when it comes to those roles, they wouldn't be TSM wouldn't be TSM without Bolo entry. They wouldn't without Merc second without mm-hmm. achieved on flex Chala on support and Geo, that's Geo. Geo on soft support. Can't forget about I Geo. I always forget Geo. I don't know why. I do that man dirty. But it's just without those roles, Siege wouldn't have been where it is now. Teams wouldn't be where they are. It'd probably just be another exactly. FPS. It'd be game. a whole nother COD. Yep. It is. Just quite the people sad. with the best aim would hit champion and only the people with the best aim. Yep. And you see that discouragement in even quick match in every single game mode that exists within Siege. You see people bringing up stats as a way to prove they're better. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely feel like it does not have as big of a role as people 
put it to yeah, it's it's certainly it's it's something everybody wants and will want for the eternity of time but at the same time it doesn't matter as much as they think it does yeah cuz you you need a team composition and I keep going back to this term of team composition. I just really mean each of these roles with their ops, of course, working as a machine. Because the only goal for attackers and defenders, either get the kills, stop, or get the plant down. And when these team compositions can do that perfectly... That's when you have a good team. And you can't do that without each of these attack roles playing their part. It's just quite interesting to see because you don't see that in many yeah, FPS games. There's no doubt about that one. Another thing I'd like to talk about is what are your current thoughts on. Attackers in a hole and bounce. Attackers in a hole? Yeah. Well. Attackers are really underpowered, if you know what I mean. As in, what Siege has turned into is just utility meta. It's the utility meta right now and probably will be for the rest of Siege's days where it's the defenders bring all the utility they can to get the defend get the attackers to not get into sight until about the last 30 seconds where they've been able to either get a couple picks and clear the utility or clear the utility to get the picks and then take the site get the plant down and be in a rush because there's only 15 seconds left to get the plant everybody's dying at the same time Things just aren't working out, and the defenders win the round. It's basically mayhem because of the utility meta, and the attackers not having, one, enough time, and two, enough gadgets or anything along those lines to get rid of the soft, to, to get rid of the gadgets and the utility. I honestly believe that's why they nerfed Jaeger and Mumai, because... The utility meta is so prevalent, they needed to nerf something to give the attackers chances to get utility off the board. Because with Jaeger's ADS, it was just a simple swipe, swipe, and it's over. You can't get that utility anymore. Yeah. But going back off of that point, do you think it's the defenders that should be nerfed or the attackers that should be overpowered in a sense or given more gadgets or utility I really think that it should be a bit of a balance between both some defenders should get reasonable nerfs and some attackers should get reasonable buffs like I'm gonna take Malusi for example she has impacts in C4 Mm-hmm. And she has three Malusi gadgets. I really think she should get two, 
and get either barbed wire and C4 or barbed wire and impacts because the ability to bring both is extremely broken because pre-play C4 you don't know anything along those lines and then when it comes to the Malusi gadgets they are stupid broken they take True. They take forever to get true. out of areas unless you have explosives, which can just be taken out by uh, Jaeger's ADSs or Wilmai's magnets. That's even a Rooney at this point of hurt. Rooney's just turned into another Jaeger with the laser gauge preventing any and all projectiles. I've seen people use Hibana pellets to get past yeah, Rooney. Actually, gauge. quite a smart thing to do. If I could, I'd throw a thermite charge yeah. through there, but. Uh, but you mostly see people burning out Renegades like any other utility denying gadgets like Wamai Discs or Jaeger's ADSs. But Malusi, even pre nerf, was still such a prevalent op, and she still is after countless nerves so what makes these ops so overpowered because you have malicious devices that give off a sound what's the comparison between let's say a proximity alarm and barbed wire in change well, for malicious barbed device? wire it's easier to get rid of because you don't have to go into it to destroy it you can be outside of it. It's a lot easier to bait off of that than a Malusi gadget. Because with the Malusi gadget, once you get in the radius to destroy it, if you don't have explosives, it makes a giant sound cue, which is annoying. And it slows you down, which also is annoying. So it's an easy swing because you're slowed down. You really need to slam someone or just get killed versus the barbed wire you can just smack it a couple times and if someone decides to swing you you can run away because you're not stuck in something that's slowing you down yeah but with the barbed wire it will slow you down and you are stuck in it that's of course if you go into it is basically the whole gist of it because you don't have to be in it to hit it and destroy it the only difference is you have to look down to hit it which could get you get where which could get someone swinging on you and taking you out 